You are listening to the Cattle Call Podcast. This is the place where computer-aided design and drafting meets humor and practicality, with a touch of business acumen thrown in for fun. Jim and Rocco, the owners of Zentech Consultants, the premier U.S. technology consulting firm for architecture, engineering, construction, and manufacturing, discuss the fascinating world of CAD with some humor and some honesty. The Cattle Call Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Cattle Call Podcast with Jim and Rocco from Zentech Consultants. I am Jim, your overworked and underpaid host, and with me, as always, is my partner, Rocco. Rocco. The better looking Yeah, he, I'm thinking more along the lines of overpaid and underworked, but that's just me, but who knows? But because because he doesn't work hard enough, that means he has to suffer through that most important aspect of our show. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's time once more for the engineering joke of the week. All right. So, Rocco. Yeah. Last week, I was talking with a software engineer from from a big CAD company. And I asked him, I said, look, man, you, you know, you work for one of the biggest CAD systems on the planet. How can you know nothing at all about drafting and design? To which he answers, hey. I just designed these CAD systems. I don't actually use them. And there you go. There's our engineer. <laughs> there you go. Put the sound in there. It'll work. <laughs> All right. <laughs> a terrible joke. But hey, that's the whole point of them, to torture you. All right. So we have a repeat guest on the show today, uh, Jeff Perry, founder of More Than ENG, a uh, career coaching and development site focusing on helping professional engineers develop their careers is with us once again. So, Jeff, we appreciate your being back on the podcast, sir. Yeah, glad to be here. Round two. Uh, I don't know why I'm putting myself through this again, but we'll, we'll see how it goes today. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. See, see if he's dumb enough to go for round three. You know, most people tap out after two. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> All right. So, um, you know, as always, uh, I like to have our you know guests kind of fill our listeners in on their background before we get started on the topic for today. Um, so Jeff, how did you, how did you wind up uh, as an engineering life coach? Yeah. So I, life coach is, is a very broad term. I don't know if I've ever actually labeled myself as a life coach. Usually I, I say leadership and career coach, but, but it does, it does breed into, I do try and work with people holistically. So we're, we're trying to affect their lives in a positive way. Anyway, we digress. Basically, um, you know, I uh, I diverged from some of the engineering stereotypes that sometimes we, we hold, and I and I realized that I actually like to work with people a lot. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, long story short, um, a few years ago when I was working in corporate, uh, I had opportunities to do training and coaching, kind of internal to to things, and I got into mindsets and how uh, our mindsets shift. Um, the way that we move through changes in, in companies and individually and, and leadership and careers and different things like this. And I recognized that I just loved doing that work. It lit me up. Uh, I absolutely loved it. And so as, as time passed, I was looking for, hey, how can I do more of this? And uh, got to one of those points, kind of a career plateau where I knew there was a, a change that I needed to make. And decided to kind of put it all together, this, this area of, of coaching and, and training that I love to do and, and my wide variety of engineering background that I had and, and do uh, coaching for engineers. And so here we are uh, a little over three years later and, and really love doing this work. It allows me to have that front row seat to seeing others reach some of their biggest goals, which is just awesome. So I really love it. Nice. 
that's a good approach. All right, so Jeff is back on the show today because we wanted to talk about leadership uh, in the engineering world, right? We wanted to find, you know, what that is, where it comes from, and, and you know, how do you get to be a leader, and then how do you maintain that position? Um, and, and, and Jeff does a lot of work with, like you were saying, folks in the engineering community who are trying to kind of push their careers forward, right, in the leadership direction. Uh, and he helps them define what their goals are and, and show them the best way to kind of get there. Um, so he seemed like the perfect person to ask about leadership in general, right? So, so let's go there, Jeff. What, what is leadership in your mind? I mean, is it, is it just about having more or better skills than the people around you? Or do you think there are other considerations at play in leadership? Yeah, so there's a lot of considerations here, and I think we'll we'll talk about this from a number of different angles in our conversation today. And just by the way, um, for for anyone who's interested, I, I've got a resource on leadership that, that's free. People can go grab it: www.engineeringcareeraccelerator.com/90days. It's a 90-day plan, especially for those who are thinking about leadership or are new into leadership. Kind of a 90-day plan and moving through that process and some of the considerations. And we'll be talking about some of those principles that are in there today. But usually when we think about leadership, most people think about a position that they have in in a company, an organization, or something like this, right? I'm a manager, I'm a director, I'm a CEO, whatever that is, or, or I want to be, or this person is, right? But leadership at its core is not about a title. Leadership really is about someone's ability to influence others, right? So this means that really, no matter what someone's position, anyone can be a leader if they have influence, okay? So thinking about, I think about some of the people who have been most influential to me in my life and and my career, and many of them have not been formal managers of mine in any sense, right? So sometimes if we're talking about in a, in a career context or at work, They've been people who I worked with. Maybe they were peers, but we collaborated and I connected and I learned a lot from them, but they weren't my manager um, in some in any context or, or just other people in my life, mentors that I found, uh, friends um, and, and, and others who have been that person to where I can ask questions, where I feel safe, where I feel supported to move through some of the big changes that I've moved through in my life. And and they didn't have some title, like they weren't like, hey, I am Jeff's official mentor or leader <laughs> in this in this situation, right? Like, but but someone who uh, just has that ability to to influence and, and help someone. Now you're often you're also talking about skills, like do they need to have better skills? Here, here's the thing that's that's funny is that often I don't know if funny is, is the right word, but but often in engineering and other functions and, and industries too, it tends to be the natural course of events that the person with the most experience or the best technical skills kind of becomes the team leader, ends up becoming a manager. And that's okay, but it's also important for us to recognize that the skills to be a great leader or manager in any context are different than those of being a great senior technical expert. Right. Yeah. And so if we just Mm -hmm. throw people into the deep end without training and support, supporting them to level up on their leadership skills and abilities, 
then we're doing them and the team a disservice. So we can talk about that more as we move through our conversation, but uh, that's a little bit of a primer there. Yeah, and I think that's a real, real important point. I mean, you know, having having a military background myself, right, I, I get to spend a lot of time, uh, you know, working in and dealing with formal leadership training and mentoring, right, through through the Army. Um, and, and, and one thing I learned is that attitude matters a lot more than aptitude. Um, you know, I have known officers and NCOs with resumes longer than your arm who I wouldn't willingly follow into a strip club. Um, and I have known soldiers who just, you know, who just got their first set of stripes that I'd follow to hell and back. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, th there's a way of thinking that seems to make great leaders more so than, than any education or technical skill or background. Um, so, so Jeff, let me ask you this. What, what role do you think that, that mindset, I guess, plays in leadership? Yeah, it's huge. And, and first of all, I, um, I don't think my wife would be happy if I followed anyone into a strip club. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> not, neither would mine. But I don't let that stop me. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but but um, but mindsets are huge, um, and more and more research on leadership continues to play this out and and realize this. Um, in fact, think about like one of the things that are huge as far as like what leaders move organizations through is organizational change, right? So if we need to change our products, our services, we need to do a reorganization, we we have a, an acquisition or something like this. These are big changes. There's a new software that we're implementing. You you guys you know do, do some of that with some organizations that you work with, right? So these uh, these big changes that we move through, but, but one of the things that's interesting, there's some research by the, the McKinsey Research Group, and, and they talk about, they, they did a, a research on, on leadership and organizational change, and they said that um, organizations who neglect uh, mindset um, are, are really struggle compared to those who address mindset at the out, out at the outset. Excuse me, of an organizational change effort are four times more likely to be successful compared to those who neglect mindset because otherwise. We're, we're kind of prescribing behaviors that we want to be different, right? But we're not addressing the root cause of why we need to make this change and why people are operating in their current state, right? And so, my, because mindsets are our lenses through which we see the world, the reason why we do things, mindsets fuel our behavior, okay? And so, in order to shift behavior, instead of just prescribing a new set of behaviors, we need to shift the mindset, which the behavior is built upon, right? Yeah, and and growing mindsets is about developing mental, emotional, cognitive sophistication to be able to deal with, and I mean, what do leaders deal with? Um, change, uncertainty, pressure, stress, those things don't go anywhere when you become a leader. And, and I don't think in the increasingly complex world that we're continuing to move through, I don't think those things are going <laughs> going to disappear anytime soon. So, Not likely. so yeah. So um, we need to to have that. So I, I like to think about mindsets uh, as lenses, right? Like I said before, but also another analogy is it's almost like a, a internal operating system that, that we have. And so if you have like the wrong uh, prescription for eyeglasses, you know, a negative mindset, you're going to see the world 
um, not vividly. You're not going to see it sharp. You're going to miss a lot of details, and you're not going to see things clearly. Um, sometimes you're going to make up uh, what some what you think something is and not actually see the truth, right? Uh, to use the operating system analogy, if you have a virus on your computer or any other device, um, you can put the right inputs in but get wrong outputs, right? And so uh, the same thing can be uh, true when we have negative mindsets. Sometimes that can we, we can get the right information, but how that filters through us, how we interpret that is not necessarily true or accurate or helpful. And therefore, the behavior that we get on the other side and, and what we project to our teams and those that we work with can, can be unhelpful. So, but on the positive side, it can be, it can be much more effective, right? If I have the right prescription, I can see clearly, I can see the truth, I can react rationally, I'm gonna get the right outputs from the right inputs if, if I run it through uh, my operating system and, and I can address change, uncertainty, pressure, and stress as it comes. But if we don't address mindsets, then we're just trying to put a Band-Aid on when we try and prescribe behaviors and think that people are going to be able to change long-term. That's a good point. Very good point. All right, so, so Rocco, let's, let's get you in here. So you know, as, as the owners here at Zentech, right, we, kind of, we get the default leadership role. Um, and, and, and honestly, I think we've been pretty good at it so far since, you know, uh, all of our employees hang around long term and they, they at least seem happy when I talk to them. Uh, what do you think is behind that? Right. Do you, do you think it's, it's our skill sets or is it our attitudes that matter more on a daily basis? Um, I think it's a combination. Right. I mean, you know, they obviously you want to work for a firm that you you believe in and that. You know, um, they're they're advancing their skill. They treat people right, both in internal and external. Um, but I, attitude, I think, is a is a is a big part of it, right? Um, I, I think Jim, you and I both approach, you know, management that uh, in in the way that you know people are going to make mistakes, and and you need to allow them to make mistakes. And it's one thing to repeat the same mistake over and over and over again but it's another thing to accept that people are going to make mistakes and you know I've, I've seen situations where you know where employees get very upset over their own mistakes and 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 you know oftentimes we react that look it, it's an honest mistake we're going to fix it and we're going to move forward and so you know having the right attitude and uh it is is hugely important and from from my perspective and you know i'll be honest to say that i've i've never taken a class on managing people um it's it's just my attitude and i think you and i kind of share the same belief yeah and, and i guess good because it kind of brings me to my next point which is that if we accept the idea and i do that you know leadership is really based on mindset and attitude uh, then it kind of raises the question of, of nurture versus, you know, versus nature, right? In, in other words, is leadership an inbred aptitude or is it something that you can learn? And, and that's why Jeff's here, of course, right? He's going to give us his take on these important questions because he knows more about it than we do. So, Jeff, what do you think? I mean, are, are leaders born or are leaders made? 
You know, it's nice of you both to give yourself credit to to think that you're both pretty great leaders. I, I, I'm proud of you for that. I know. But, we pat ourselves uh, on the back. It's amazing. <laughs> it's almost like we run yeah. the show. Yeah. Who knew? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good. Um, but, but but it's interesting. I mean, to, to go back to the question, are leaders born or made, right? Made is, is my really clear answer. And, and research bears this out as in terms of um, how much of our traits and personalities and, and skills and abilities are, are nature versus nurture. It's about a 70 to 30 split in terms of kind of genetic uh, things is more on the 30% things like, you know, the, the nature, right? Like these are mm -hmm. my natural born tendencies and abilities. And about 70% of our traits and abilities are, are learned over time. Okay, uh, and, and um, sometimes are even uh, activated. There, there's some cool things around genetics that, that certain genes can be activated depending on things that we learn and things that we do um, that otherwise might lie dormant. And there's some cool stuff around that. Anyway, so, so leadership, I, I look at leadership in general as a skill that can be learned just like just about anyone, anything. So, I mean, you, you both in, in your work work with a lot of uh, companies who are trying to work with CAD systems and things like that. You know, if someone's new to CAD, they need to learn that skill of, of the design principles, how to use the actual software, um, how to document appropriately, and all the different pieces that go along with that, right? Mm -hmm. Now, leadership is a, is a skill like that, but it's a little bit more complex, right? So, um, like maybe learning how to use a new CAD software might be akin to go back to this operating system idea. Like if we're, uh, you know, these you know devices, learning a new technical skill like that is more akin to like installing a new app or software on your computer that is you or or your phone or, or iPad or something like that, right? So you have this new capability, right? Uh, but it's pretty straightforward, it's a new capability but actually leveling up in leadership to be able to deal with some of that change, uncertainty, and stress like we were talking about before, and, and how you deal with the, the people and the conflict and, and the challenges and, and the uncertainty that you're dealing with, you need to be able to upgrade over time your operating system, right? And that's, that's the mindset piece. And so, so learning that actually needs to, um, a lot of times when we t talk about leadership, um, we're trying to just build a skill like we would a technical skill, but, but researchers are finding more and more that in order to really develop transformational leadership, we need to do this in a way that's developing the person in their cognitive flexibility and sophistication, um, not just inserting a new app on their, their iPad kind of thing. Does that make sense? It does. It does. I like that. It's a good analogy. So, okay. So I think that's a good place to take a break uh, so that we can hear from today's sponsor. And when we get back, I want to get into some of the leadership coaching methods and practices that Jeff kind of takes his clients through. All right. So stand by folks. We will be back in just a minute with more of the Cattle Call Podcast. All right, Rocco. Today's Cattle Call podcast is brought to us courtesy of Civil Site Design, one of the coolest new tools to hit the site engineering and development systems in the last decade. 
Um, Civil Site Design is an absolutely brilliant tool. It allows you to go in and develop gratings, roadway designs, intersection designs, cul-de-sac designs, and just about anything you need to do in the Civil Site world. And it does it in Civil 3D, AutoCAD, and in BricsCAD. Any system that you're working in, Civil Site Design, is going to make your day-to-day -day workflow run a whole lot easier and a whole lot faster. It's one of the most amazing tools I have seen in a very, very long time. So we are Zentech Consultants and we are reps who sell, support, and train you on the Civil Site Design package. And we hope you guys will hit our website and see what we got. So Rocco, how do people get involved with the Civil Site Design package and find out more about it? Yeah, you'll definitely want to hit our website. It's uh, zentechconsultants.net. Uh, we offer a pretty wide variety of webinars and videos and a good amount of information. Um, and we're also happy to set up a one-on-one -on -one demo for your team, talk about it some more, show you the product in action. So again, zentechconsultants.net or give us a call, 866-824-4459. Excellent. The Civil Site Design, one of the best packages for the site and civil world out there. All right, welcome back to the Cattle Call Podcast. We're talking with Jeff Perry, uh, morethaneng.com, uh, about leadership and the way to move your career and even your life in general forward by expanding your own leadership skills. Um, and even if you feel you don't have any leadership skills to speak of, I think someone like Jeff can show you that you're wrong and that you can do far more and move farther forward in your career than you might expect. Um, and I think, you know, putting a little bit of planning and some scientific principles into play uh, may be exactly what you need to completely change your life, right? So, so Jeff, let's start with that. Let's start with the science, right? What, what, what do those current principles teach us about leadership? Yeah, so this is kind of a fun thing that I love to do with engineers is connecting with ideas that they already know in, in science and engineering and connecting with those basic scientific principles and how does that apply to us as individuals, as leaders? So some of the simplest to describe and understand are some of Newton's basic laws of motion, right? So I, I believe it's his first one is that an object at rest will stay at rest and an object in motion will stay in motion unless acted upon by an outside force, right? So think about, you know, obviously if I push a, push a ball, or, or something across the table or something, you know, it's gonna go except for the friction that's gonna slow it down or whatever. But so many times in our individual lives, in our teams and our organizations, we might find ourselves at rest, right? In some form or fashion, we're not making progress. We don't feel like we are moving in the right direction. And so what, needs to change here is we need to find what is that outside force. Uh, and sometimes that outside force can be a motivation, a purpose. And often that outside force can be that support system, a community around you, other people who can help you through that process to help push you in the right direction or pull you. And sometimes it's a push, sometimes it's a pull. Um, it, however, that force needs to be applied to get you moving again. Right. And and um, so, so it's interesting to like do a little bit of personal introspection and say, hey, do I feel like I'm at rest in my life, in my career, in our team, in, in our company, how we're progressing? If so, what is the right outside force that I need to ask for and find that can help me move through that and get going again, right? Instead of just trying to, to handle things all by yourself, right? 
the afternoon mm-hmm. that, that outside force. Um, Newton's second law essentially is the, the equation force equals mass times acceleration, right? So if we want to accelerate our progress, we need to increase the force um, or uh, decrease kind of our uh, or our mass, right? Um, One or the other. Uh, we're, t- we're not talking about a weight loss plan here, but uh, we oh, are talking goodness, about. Oh, thank goodness, because I'd be in trouble otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. This time of year, we're, uh, when we're recording this right before Halloween, I've already taken some uh, uh, some dad tax from the kids' <laughs> Halloween candy. But, um, but but we are talking about like, hey, what's what's the force applied? You know, this outside force. Uh, do we need to increase the force? And, and force is all, and, and acceleration has a, is a vector, not just a scalar, so it's a direction. And are we accelerating in the right direction? Acceleration can also be a negative thing. Like sometimes there, there are always negative forces pulling us back, trying to slow us down, friction, uh, things, and, and there's internal friction that, that we have to our organizations, right? Um, so identifying ways that we can reduce that internal friction to speed things up and increase the positive force in the right direction, right? So that's kind of a fun thing to think about. What are those things that we can push and pull on um, to really accelerate and go even faster? And then another one, the, the third law of motion, that for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction, okay? And I like to think about this in terms of human relations, right? So think about, hey, if someone, uh, if someone comes up to me and, um, and and asks for my help and I totally shut them down uh, or berate them or, or yell at them, well, most likely I'm going to get the same sort of reaction from them. I'm getting defensive. They're going to be defensive right back. Okay. Uh, where if instead um, someone was trying to give me some feedback and maybe it's feedback that would be hard for me to hear, but it's important for me to hear. If I can be open to that and receive that with um, understanding and openness and things like that, and and then if I have something that I want to share with them because I've responded in that open way, they're likely to react similarly and be more open to that as well. Okay, so think about this in a leadership context. Often, as leaders, we sometimes need to share this sort of feedback, right? So sometimes instead of just going right into a conversation and saying, hey, I think this is what you can uh, improve, right? You say, hey, I'm your leader. I care about you and your uh, improvement and your development and your growth. Um, And and as such, I want to be aware of any ways that I can support you better. Here are some areas that I feel like I might not be serving you as as well as I can. Uh, Do you have any other feedback? So you are opening that conversation with some vulnerability pointed at you and you're opening up that space, which then gives them that opportunity to open up appropriately. And, and they might either first ask questions, hey, are there areas that I can improve? And then you can share those things that you already plan to repair. Or you can say, hey, thanks for sharing that with me. Just so I can be transparent with you, these are some areas that I've noticed that maybe we can uh, work on for, for you to continue to improve as well. And so, so that idea that there's for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. We need to be the ones leading out in the reactions that we want, because sometimes if we react negatively, then we're going to invite that same negative reaction in other people. So here's some fun ways that I like to connect uh, some of these scientific principles with how we connect with leadership and working with other people. Nice. I like that. I like that concept, that approach. Um, 
All right, so you know, look, folks, you know, Jeff focuses on, you know, the engineering and the design fields kind of in his daily work. Um, and that happens to be a huge chunk of our audience, right? So I think it makes sense to talk about that particular field today. Um, you know, be, because of, we'll call it the high level of technical skill that is required for engineers in general, it can be really difficult to sort out which areas you need to focus on as an engineer versus which areas you need to focus on as a potential leader. Um, Jeff, what do you think? I mean, what, what do leaders need to focus on differently than we'll call them the standard frontline engineer? Yeah, so it's a huge shift. Usually when we think about a frontline engineer, they're focused on delivering the technical work. And, and that's, a, that's a design for software engineers, that's a software, you're writing code, you're creating features in the software. Um, depending on the, the type of engineer that we're talking about, but delivering that technical work, the analysis, uh, the, the problem solving, the, the maintenance, the quality, whatever that is they're trying to do. Um, when we think about transitioning towards a, a leader, this is a huge challenge because, uh, especially for engineers and, and technology professionals, uh, because they, they've built their whole careers thus far around delivering that technical work. Um, and in, but when you move to become a leader, suddenly your focus and the value that you deliver has changed from being the, the, an individual delivering that technical work to enabling the team to do so. And so you're shifting from, hey, I'm, I'm developing uh, products and services, uh, whatever that is, to your focus is now developing people to do that, right? Yeah. And it's a shift. Um, and, and letting go of that technical ownership, there may still be some technical mentorship. You may still want to, depending on your level, you may still want to stay really connected with the technologies and the specifics around those so you can mentor others and help them. But are you the one who's going to be diving in deep day to day, solving all those technical tasks? Probably not day to day, moment to moment, all, all the time. And, and you need to let go and trust your team and give them that ownership to be able to do that, which um, if you don't do that, you're actually holding back their ability to grow and develop appropriately because you're hanging on to these things yourself. And um, you're you're actually throttling down the team's uh, potential when you hang on to some of those things. So it's a huge shift that's difficult for a lot of people because some of those leaders think like, hey, if I don't do it, then quality is going to go down or, you know, all these sorts of things. You can put things in check, certainly, when you're training and, and developing people, and that's fine. Um, but if you never really let go, then you're going to diminish the, the potential of, of people and they're not going to be developing and learning those skills, which is part of also what gets them engaged and really enjoying their work is people love to, to learn and grow. And yeah. so you're hindering that and you're holding on to stuff like that. Ah, that's fair. That's a good approach. I, I like that. Um, all right. So, you know, in, in any kind of a, a technical position, right, there, there seems to be a built-in resistance in most firms to allowing the technical staff to move forward, right? There's, um, there's an underlying prejudice that, you know, skilled technical and engineering minds aren't always capable of dealing with human capital, right? And, and the creative thinking and adaptation that's required at those executive levels. Uh, you know, tech folks are generally seen 
whether this is true or not, I don't necessarily know what think it is, but they're seen as introverts, right? And, and, and not being built for leadership roles, right? And that seems to be, it seems very unfair to me that they're characterized that way. Uh, so, so Jeff, let me put it to you in a real simple question, right? Do you think that people need to be an extrovert in order to be a good leader? No, no, not at all. Um, some of my most favorite leaders that I've had that I've interacted with um, have been natural introverts. And introvert, extrovert has nothing to do with great leadership. It's just a way that we interact with people and we kind of recharge our batteries. Okay. I've seen introverts, natural introverts, be great even speakers, right, and be able to, to woo the crowd. But it, it's exhausting to them where an extrovert would get a bunch of energy out of that experience. Okay. And, and that's really what it comes down to. So, no, they don't need to be extroverts. I'm with you. I think those stereotypes and views of, of engineering technology folks are sometimes unfair, and they're unhelpful either way, right? And, and it comes from two sides. First of all, it, it comes from the side of, hey, the people working with technology and professionals and engineers, and they sort of put engineers into these boxes and expect certain things out of them, almost see them as like just, just computers to just do their job and spit out the work. Right. Instead of really being able to collaborate and work together appropriately. And, and like I said, like maybe not being able to, hey, they're good with the good with numbers, bad with people kind of a thing. It, it's just not helpful. Uh, but on the other side, sometimes engineers really take that identity on themselves and think that, OK, this is just what I do and how I operate. And these are where my skills lie. And they and both sides have this kind of fixed mindset. We'll go back to mindsets, fixed mindset about this is who we expect them to be, so this is who they're going to be and how they're always going to be, not really allowing people to grow and change, which is just unhelpful. And so um, I think we need both introverts and extroverts. We need technical technology experts and people come at it from, from different sides uh, in, in all levels of an organization to be successful. Um, but, but those personality traits aren't, aren't really what, what drive great leaders at all. Okay. And I would agree with that. I mean, I think, you know, so, you know, listeners of the podcast, right, they probably expect that I am the extrovert here, right? And that, you know, Rocco over here is, is our introvert of our partnership, but it's actually not true. Um, I make poor Rocco crazy because I hate talking to people and I cannot network to save my life, uh, whereas he is fantastic at both of those things. So, you know, Rocco, do you think that, that those personality traits that we have, do you think they've affected our leadership styles here at Zentech? No, I don't. I don't think so. And 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 I don't. I don't think you're an introvert either. <laughs> uh, <laughs> despite what you you might think. And um, but I, you know, I I agree with Jeff. I don't. I don't think that 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 the traits, those traits, and impact your your leaders any anyone's leadership styles. I'm I'm full in agreement. There you go. All right, I'm down with that. All right, so there is an interesting term um, that Jeff kind of threw out to us uh, when we were prepping for today's show, and I like the sound of it, uh, but I'm not really sure I fully understand what, what he means by it, right? So, so the term is servant leadership, um, and I, I love the implication behind those words, but I want to see how it's formally defined and, and how it can be implemented right, before I drop it into my own personal lexicon here. Uh, so, Jeff, what what is servant leadership, and and how do engineers apply it for their careers? 
Yeah, so servant leadership is cool. It came from and was kind of developed as a philosophy and approach from a researcher who spent a lot of time with AT&T in the 70s and 80s uh, by the name of Robert Greenleaf. Um, and, and really simply, it's just about a leader's focus. This idea of, I want, if I'm a leader, I want to be a servant first. Okay, so, so an easy way to think about it is like think about an organizational chart typically. Like there's the, the CEO or owners at the top and then it branches out to their next line, maybe executive team and then however many layers of, of directors and managers and things down to the frontline people. Okay, but it's usually them at the top, they're over other people. Um, servant leadership kind of turns that around, uh, puts that on his head where almost you'd think of an organizational chart being created where the leaders are below, serving and supporting those that they serve. Another word that's critical that I really love around this in terms of leadership is that servant leaders think of their leadership as a stewardship. They have a responsibility to, to take care of, to grow and develop these people and serve them and the organization at the same time. And, and those things should be mutually helpful because uh, when you serve and build the people, they are going to in turn serve and, and help the organization. Uh, but servant leadership also is cool in that it means that anyone can serve and influence and help, not just people in formal leadership positions. So just thinking about, hey, you have a, a team of people on an organizational chart, they'd be completely flat, right? You know, all at the same level. But any one of them in any instance can take this approach like, hey, I want to serve and train, you know, the other people on my team on an expertise or a skill that I've gained uh, or help each other out in collaborating on certain challenges or projects or problems that we're trying to solve, right? And so suddenly I can take this little mini, uh, mini team that, that I'm in here and I can take the influential servant leadership approach, even though I don't have that title of being a leader in that case. So servant leadership lets anyone be a leader in the ways that they serve each other in the organization, in a community, in a family. I mean, any any group that you can think of here just by saying, hey, I wanna be a servant first. I have a stewardship and I wanna care about and grow and, and build the people around me. Yeah, that's a beautiful concept. Basically boils down to, you know, helping other people, you know, and, and that's the best way I think to lead anything is when, you know, when you're actively trying to engage and help and, and share your experience with other people to help them be better. It works across the board. I like it. All right. So I hope all of our listeners got some good info on kind of how to start working towards improving their own leadership capacity today. Um, and I will say, if you guys need some help, right, you need that, that little uh, vector push to help move you forward, you can always talk to Jeff at morethaneng.com uh, to get some help. Um, so, you know, Jeff, first of all, I just want to thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to be here yet again. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on, sir. It's an entertaining conversation. Yeah, glad to be here with you again. And uh, I guess it wasn't too painful this time around. And, there you and, go. and just a reminder, <laughs> uh, you know, more than ENG.com, it's kind of a general website. People want to go get that leadership 90-day uh, guide that I, I mentioned earlier, www.engineeringcareeraccelerator.com slash 90 days. They can go grab that. There you go. Go get it, folks. You all need it. All right. We're going to get out of here, and we will catch you next time on the Cattle Call Podcast. All right, everybody. Today's Cattle Call 
was brought to you courtesy of Zentech Consultants. That's Rocco and I. Uh, Zentech Consultants works with design and manufacturing firms to help our clients purchase and implement the software that they need in these complex industries. Uh, we provide a single point of contact for clients to buy, develop, and learn the most vital software systems for your specific needs. Uh, Zentech strives to be your trusted technology partner from your initial needs all the way through long-term support and training for your entire staff. So Rocco, why don't you tell them how to reach out to Zentech? All right, yeah, you can reach out to us through zentechconsultants.net. You can email us at sales at zentechconsultants.net. Or you can even call us, 866-824-4459. Excellent. We look forward to hearing from you all.